We began our Advent series a couple of weeks ago looking at the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus. Uh, last week we talked about the love that is, uh, that is ours and the coming of Christ. A love that took Him to a manger and to a cross on our behalf. And this morning, as uh, Heath has mentioned, we're going to be turning our attention to the peace that is ours in Jesus. And as a springboard to that, we're going to be looking at the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 6. It may seem like a strange place uh, to stop for an Advent uh, uh, message, but uh, I think we're going to see some unique things here. Jeremiah is uniquely called of God as a prophet to his own people, a people that are going to stand against him. In fact, the Lord made that very clear to Jeremiah. He said that the people would fight against his message. So why would they do that? The prophet speaking to them, why would they turn away? Because they had turned away, living in rebellion uh, to the Lord, an unfaithfulness uh, to him. So this is the, the people that we're talking about here, this is the remnant of Judah. Israel's been run over by this time. Uh, but they are they're just steeped in idolatry, pagan worship practices. Uh, the, the immorality under King Manasseh, just the most grotesque things, uh, part of their worship, uh, child sacrifice, all of that stuff is still happening in the background. But by the, by the time we get to Jeremiah's prophecy, Judah has a new king, a young king by the name of Josiah. And within the last couple of years, a special book has been found in Jerusalem, and it, it's the book of the law, maybe a portion of Deuteronomy, and this is... This is read before King Josiah, and he just his heart is just captured by this. And so he begins these sweeping reforms on the city of Jerusalem. So Jeremiah begins his career, call it that, as a prophet, during this time, kind of with that, with that top cover of King Josiah reigning. So judgment is, is coming. It was coming because the people had turned from the one true God. And if that isn't bad enough, they presumed upon the Lord's protection and upon His security. So if we, if we keep the temple looking you know, pretty good, and we offer sacrifices every now and then, maybe you know, give God a little lip service, then what could possibly happen? And that was, that was their attitude. The temple was just this... This security blanket with no real devotion necessary. But it gets worse. Spiritual leaders in Judah, the priests, giving no indication of faithfulness. Just the opposite. They're just blowing smoke for the people, telling the people who are under God's judgment that things really aren't that bad. Things are just going to turn out okay. And that's where we're going to pick up with a few verses from Jeremiah 6, reading 13 through 16. For from the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. And from prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At the time that I punish them, they shall be overthrown, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look, and ask for the ancient paths, 
where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Let's pray together. Lord, the call comes strongly for peace. Our desire is for peace. Or what brings this peace? What does this peace even look like? Lord, we're grateful for Your Word this morning. The authority of Your Word and the purpose in which You will use this Word in our own hearts and lives. We listen attentively now. Illumine our hearts, Lord, to this Word. Speak faithfully, we ask. Knowing that You will do so. We offer this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the year is 1914. We're on the Western Front of World War I, which has only been going on for about six months or so. And earlier in the month of December, the Pope at that time had, had called for a ceasefire, stop from the fighting, which neither the German forces or the opposing English-French forces decided to do. But as December 25 drew closer, we start getting into Christmas Eve, the bullets and the explosions and the gas fumes, they start to die down. And on Christmas Eve, the bullets stop altogether. And there's this eerie silence in the trenches. And breaking through the silence, you can hear a Christmas carol in German. And then you start hearing one in English. And the night is is filled with these carols. And then as the sun rises on Christmas Day, one of the German soldiers actually gets out of the trench and starts walking into this no man's land. And every barrel is right on him. But then they realize that he's unarmed. And so weapons are lowered. And then another from the opposing trenches gets out of the trench. And they meet in no man's land. And there's an exchange maybe of you know, cigarettes for a few more food rations. And then the carols start up again. And a soccer ball you know, bounces across the dirt. The Christmas truce of 1914. I mean, it's just a fascinating picture of peace, isn't it? And it was a real peace. There was a serenity, a comfort for those for that little while, but we know it doesn't last. It's really short-lived. You think, but both sides are, are fighting for this. They're fighting for peace, but in the morning, it's gone. I think this time of year, we tend to, we want to spread good cheer, we want to to spread peace, peace on earth, but sometimes I wonder what kind of peace are we really talking about? Do we proclaim peace when there is no peace in our own hearts, or maybe within our families, those around us? Singing hymns, we're playing games, um, but we're really at war. So Jeremiah, he speaks both of the the confusion as well as the certainty of peace in this passage. That's what we're going to trace into the New Testament a little bit. And to say that the people of Judah had 
you know, falling away from the Lord, chasing a false religion, that would be a very gross understatement. They not only turn from the living God to worship, sacrifice to the Baals, but they had tried to appease the Lord in the process. I mean, the temple is still intact. It's still ornate. They might visit the temple every now and then. But the worship of Yahweh, that was just another one of their options. And Jeremiah goes after this. He says, you, the people of Judah, have committed adultery. You've betrayed the one true and holy God. And judgment is coming upon you. Yet the people are content in this mishmash of religious practices. They don't even hear this. They don't even know to be ashamed. They don't even know they need help when God's hand of discipline is on them. And their leaders are just captured by greed, power, telling the people exactly what it is that they want to hear. The very thing that will keep them pacified with the way that things are. They wanted reassurance. Everything was going to be okay, and that's what the leadership conveyed to them. In the previous chapter, in verse 31, it says, The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule at their direction. My people love to have it so, but what will you do when the end comes? Peace, peace. Everything's going to be okay. But everything's not okay. By the hand of God, Jerusalem is going to be made a wasteland. The holy city is going to be overrun by the enemies of God. This place of refuge would no longer be so. So any word of peace, it's only a deception. It's only temporary. I think one of the reasons that we maybe hold a skepticism towards leadership in the land, politicians, or the political system in our land is that in our gut... We know we, we just have too, there's too much evidence, there's too much proof that a rebellion against God and a misuse or abuse of what He's entrusted to us, that's not going to end well. We know this. It's going to be costly. And so when we hear, you know, peace, peace, it's not as bad as you think. You'll be able to keep your retirement. You'll be able to, your, your health care plan is not going away. The free, your free speech won't be affected. Your ability to worship or run a business, no problem. We think, really? Can that all still be true? We turn our back on the living God, His desire for humanity. Okay, we, we don't buy it because there's just, it's, it's a piece that's un, uncertain, ungrounded. And we need to remember that human beings exist For a purpose. You and I are here in this place, in this time, for a purpose. To live in faithful obedience to God. That's where true freedom lies. To worship Him, enjoy Him. And we forget that purpose. And we've suppressed that purpose for long enough. We forget who we are and, and what meaning life has. Then peace, peace becomes whatever feels good at the time. Whatever provides just a little bit of comfort, whatever relieves some element of uncertainty in life before the bullets start flying again. There's a psychology professor, I'm sure lots of psychology professors at Harvard, but one of them did a study. It says, Americans are smiling less, worrying more than they ever have been. Happiness is down, sadness is up. 
We're getting less sleep, smoking more cigarettes, and depression is on the rise. And try to narrow down the problem as to why this was the case. And here's what, what he discovered in this particular study. Uh, it wasn't because of family breakups. It wasn't uh, finances. It wasn't even job satisfaction. The root problem was uncertainty. People don't know what's going to happen. It causes the greatest stress and unhappiness. We want peace. We desire security and certainty. But where do, where do we look for that? In a confused, meaningless uh, existence. Now, it, it's easy for me to speak sort of generally like that in the culture in which we live. But we need to bring this closer to home as a church. In Jeremiah's day, just like our own, there was plenty of religion to go around. But Jeremiah's message, one that the people are just callous to hear, is that all the religion in the world, all, all this plastic religious practices mean nothing before God. The people of Judah had turned away from the revelation of God. They just paid him lip surface, offered a few sacrifices, but their hearts are far from him. No less true today. Maybe even more so. Okay, when the church, and when I say that, we really have to look here, right? We have to look at our own intentions, our own hearts. God has revealed to us what we need as His people. Do we, do we play lip service? Just play religion? Do we do what's necessary to get some sense of, of comfort and peace? Maybe it's just a cheap repentance to get somebody off my back. That'll bring some peace. Throw a little money in the plate. Warm a pew every now and then. Yet our hearts are far from God. Should we expect God's blessing when our hearts are intent on pursuing personal peace, comfort, securing our own security, when inwardly we are just as uncertain and confused as the next person? Where is real peace to be found? I think in this Advent season we spend... Lots of time with family. Maybe family's going to come to visit you. Maybe you'll travel to see family, friends. You sort of make those extra efforts to keep the peace when you're with your family because you're probably going to see them again, right? So, so we strive for this. And that's, that's a good thing to be kind, keeping the peace. But consider for a moment how we can elevate keeping the peace to being the most important thing. So when we do that, then it becomes, of course, you know, that, that false God where true and lasting peace, we actually muzzle it. What can bring certainty? What's worth living, fighting for? Here's where Jeremiah helps us in these verses and later in his prophecy. He tells the people of Judah that, that they're at an impasse. They have a very important decision to make. God's hand of judgment is coming, but if they repent and walk in the ancient paths, they will find rest. Jeremiah's not telling them, well, you know, you need to go back and live in the past. He's exhorting them to, to walk according to the ancient paths, to the good way, the way of God's word. Maybe the words of the psalmist, desiring that these would take hold. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk 
in his ways. So to turn and walk in the ways of the Lord, that's not only going to bring a a restoration and blessing for Israel, but to all the nations, for all people. You remember remember their, their mission, their purpose, why the Lord has called them to himself, why he has delivered them. The actions of God's chosen people, whether they are right or rebellious, they are far reaching all the world over. But what's Judah's response? End of verse 16. We will not walk in it. So the judgment of God is sure. And what Jeremiah prophesies, that, that's going to come true as they're exiled into Babylon. But the Lord is ready to restore. He's ready to bring peace again if they would just turn back to Him. Even in their open rebellion, the Lord shows mercy. It has to be His mercy. He says judgment's not going to last forever. Uh, chapter 33, the prophet says that God is going to bring prosperity again to the land, security to His people. The streets of Jerusalem that were, that were desolate, the cities of Judah, you're going to hear voices in them again. Voices of praise and gladness. And on an evening in Judea, a little town of Bethlehem, voices of gladness fill the sky. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. By the Father's pleasure, His mercy, peace had come. The fullness of blessing, salvation, God's shalom was found in a baby lying there in the manger among the animals. The Lord of hosts, the Prince of Peace, brings His shalom. This is what Isaiah prophesied of this a hundred years before Jeremiah. But this shalom, that the peace that this child would establish, it would be in accord with God's very character. Justice, righteousness would reign. And that certain, present shalom of God would bring healing to all the effects of sin. In the Gospel of Matthew, we read from the lips of this child, now a man, who says, come to me. All you, who are, uh, all you who labor and are heavy laden, with all the uncertainties, all the confusion, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The peace of Christ that He's ushered in will one day come in full. Nothing less than the wholeness and the delight of God. All creation flourishing. Everything working together as exactly as he intended. Uh, Dr. Cornelius Plantinka, he provides a little glimpse of what this shalom of God uh, might look like. I want to share just a few uh, paragraphs with you as we consider this. It would include, for instance, strong marriages and secure children. Nations and races in this brave new world would treasure differences in other nations and races as attractive, important, and complementary. In the process of making decisions, men would defer to women and women to men until a crisis arose. Then, with good humor all around, the person who more naturally competent in the area of this crisis would resolve it to the satisfaction and pleasure of both. Government officials would still take office, Somebody has to decide which streets are cleaned on Tuesday and which on Wednesday. But to nobody's surprise, they would tell the truth 
and freely praise the virtues of other public officials. Public telephone books would be left intact. This book was written about 20 years ago. Highway overpasses would be free of graffiti. Tow truck drivers and erring motorists would be serene on inner city streets. Business associates would rejoice in one another's promotions. Middling Harvard students would respect those from the University of Southern North Dakota and would seek to learn from them. Intercontinental ballistic missile silos would be converted into training tanks for scuba divers. All around the world, people would stimulate and encourage one another's virtues. Newspapers would be filled with well-written accounts of acts of great moral beauty. At the end of the day, people on their porches would read these and savor them and call to each other about them. Above all, God would preside in the unspeakable beauty for which human beings long in the mystery of holiness that draws human worship like a magnet. The shalom of God. A shalom that is certain with the coming of King Jesus. Now that shalom is not going to come without a fight. It's not going to come without death. But Jesus has gone before us. He has taken on and conquered that enemy. That's what the Apostle Paul in the closing chapter of Romans says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Now crushing doesn't sound very peaceful, but that is exactly what has happened, what is happening through Jesus. Jesus was crushed once and for all, took his life up again, so that from that time, from that time forward, he would do the crushing of everything that disturbs the peace of his shalom. Just think about that for a moment. Everything in this world, everything that touches you, that touches me, that is somehow unsettling, somehow confusing, bro, that, that's all going to be restored. That, that's true peace. That's the peace we live for, the peace we proclaim. And it's only in the Prince of Peace that enables us to do this. To live together in love, experience that peace, whatever, whatever size community we're talking about. And I don't want to be ignorant of the fact that this, this prince will, will be a threat to the peace at all cost mentality. He's not going to compete with that God. Our prince, King Jesus, stands as both Savior and Lord. And if we desire true peace among ourselves and those around us, then we must be prepared to give him our complete allegiance. And we, we may even be accused of disturbing the peace in graciously and winsomely sharing where true and lasting peace is found. I actually looked up a description of the law on disturbing the peace. Of course, it, you, it, what you would expect to find, offensive language or you know, bullying, blasting your horn, you know, those are things that people may call you in on for disturbing the peace. We might do likewise. But listen to this general wording. When a person's words or conduct jeopardize others' rights to peace and tranquility, he or she may be charged with disturbing the peace. So it's not for horseplay. It's not for embarrassing someone, not even for annoying someone. But jeopardizing peace and tranquility, that, that's a pretty subjective ruling. Friends, when our hearts and our lives are exposed to the gospel, when we turn our gaze upon the holiness of God, 
the one to whom everyone everywhere is accountable, it not only may do this, it will challenge and jeopardize temporary comfort and tranquility. God will expose false and confused peace when there is no peace. This this characterizes Jesus and his ministry. Jesus allowed hearers to experience that tension that would move them toward repentance, towards true peace. Because the peace that Jesus is interested in is that shalom of God. We just had a snapshot of living, living at peace with oneself, living at peace in relationship to God with others. That, that shalom disturbed many, and it will continue to do so. That we're called to live for this peace. How do we do this? Those in our family, community, it starts right here in the church. Among the body of Christ. The way in which we care for one another the extent in which we model healthy communication, repentance, conflict, resolution, that just sort of ripples. Ripples on a pond as it spreads. If if this place among the body of Christ is a place of, of safety and trust and compassion, then those living in absolute uncertainty with, with temporary and confused peace may very well be drawn to what looks lasting. Now, that doesn't mean we're never going to hurt each other. It doesn't mean we're never going to disturb the peace for one another in our sinful responses. But what do we do when that happens? How do we respond in the confidence of the gospel? When that's where we're really going to be able to tell if we are more concerned with true peace or just keeping the peace. And for those outside, outside the church, the community, we speak the truth in love with grace. Think of the, the author of the Hebrews says, strive for peace with everyone and for holiness. We, we need to keep the peace with our neighbors to, you know, to have the bridge of sharing life together. But remain compassionate. Compassionate when the message of true peace disturbs the inner tranquility. Temporary peace. It may be through tears that we share this true peace with, with hearts that long for it, however deep that may be. Okay, so the, the, the Christmas truce of 1914, it didn't last. Within hours, hours of the caroling, the gifts, the games, the bullets started flying again. And the same men who were just singing peace on earth would know in a moment if it was real. Beloved, if we long for true and lasting peace, then we need to look no further than the child in the manger. He's the promised Messiah. He is the Redeemer. He has come to rescue us from this uncertainty, this desperation. Bring true peace on earth. So when we embrace Him as Savior, bow the knee to Him as Lord in faith. That, that certain permanent peace is ours. So let's rest in that as we look ahead in this season to that shalom of God the world over. Let's pray. Lord, You are our true and lasting peace. It doesn't come in a program or a set of regulations or in a system. Peace is 
person. And you have come to bring your shalom in all the earth. Lord, we thank you for this great gift. The peace that rests upon you in these very moments, in this hectic season, and going into the new year. We rest in you. Lord, come quickly. As we've said and sung already this morning, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Bring your peace in full. We pray this all in the name of Christ and for his sake. Amen.